Good morning and welcome to Shouts of Grace. This morning we're continuing our study through the book of Psalms. And of course, uh, the challenge is to read through the book of Psalms in the month of June. And we are on the third day of this, if I'm counting right. But nonetheless, the reading, whether I'm counting right or not, the reading is Psalm chapter, Psalms chapter 11 through chapter 15. It's five chapters a day. Let me know in the comment section how you're doing. If you're able to keep up here with these five chapters a day, I know you're looking ahead and you're going, how are we going to do it when it comes to Psalm 119? But just trust me here, it, you get into a groove by then and you just know you have to give just a little bit extra time when you come to Psalm 119. But I, I trust that you're doing well through this and that uh, you're really learning a lot about God. I've been really excited um, about what we've gone through so far. Uh, looking at Psalm chapter 2 and then also Psalm chapter 8 and looking at that. But today we're going to be looking at Psalm chapter 15 specifically. And I'm really excited about Psalm chapter 15. In fact, it, it is one of my uh, favorite passages of Scripture. It's probably in my top 10 favorite passages of Scripture. Um, I've never really listed out a top 10 of my favorite passages of Scripture, but if I did— this one would definitely be in uh, my top 10. It's just, it, it's been for the last uh, year and a half or so, this psalm has really just kind of, um, I don't know, it's it's been near and dear to my heart. And it's, it's one of those psalms that is extremely challenging on a personal level. And I trust that you'll be challenged and stretched by it. But but it's also just one of those psalms that that, that you just, can't help but love because it talks about abiding on uh, uh, w- with the Lord or or dwelling in the holy hill of God, a being with God. And, and you know, if that's not your goal to go and to be with God, to spend time with God, then I don't know what you're doing, but that should just be your absolute top goal in life. But today we're first, before we get to Psalm chapter 15, we're also going to read Psalm chapter 11. We're going to read both of them today. And so if you'd follow along as I read Psalm chapter 11, and then I'm going to jump to Psalm chapter 15. And it says this, In the Lord I I put my trust. How can you say to my soul, flee as a bird to your mountain? For look, the wicked bend their bow. They make ready their arrow on the string, that they may shoot secretly at the upright in heart. If the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? The Lord is in his holy temple. The Lord's throne is in heaven. His eyes behold. His eyelids test the sons of men. The Lord tests the righteous, but the wicked and the one who loves violence, his soul hates. Upon the wicked, he will rain coals, fire and brimstone and burning wind shall be the portion of their cup. For the Lord is righteous. He loves righteousness. His countenance beholds the upright. And now Psalm chapter 15. It says this, Lord, who may abide in your tabernacle? Who may dwell in your holy hill? He who walks uprightly and works righteousness and speaks the truth in his heart. He who does not backbite with his tongue, nor does evil in his, uh, to his neighbor, nor does he take up a reproach against his friend, in whose eyes a vile person is despised, but he honors those who fears the Lord. 
He who swears to his own hurt and does not change. He who does not put out his money as usury, nor does he take a bribe against the innocent. He who does these things shall never be moved. Wow, I just absolutely love this chapter in the book of Psalms. Like I said, it's been really just just kind of etched on my mind and my heart for about a year and a half now. And when we look at this, it starts off and it asks the question, Lord, who may abide in your tabernacle and who may dwell in your holy hill? So this is asking the question here, who is going to have fellowship with God? Who are the people who are going to have fellowship with God? And this is what God says. So we really need to go and and pay attention to this because he put this in his word so that we might know how that we can have fellowship with God. And I hope that no matter what your circumstances are, no matter what your vocation is, no matter how old you are or how young you are, that your goal is to have a close fellowship with God. You know, beyond all of your, your aspirations, whether it's, it's aspirations at home, whether it's relational uh, aspirations of, of just wanting to go and, and, and you know, uh, whether it's, it's having a family or, or uh, whether it's, it's going and having a job, maybe it's financial aspirations, you know, whatever it might be in your life that you aspire to. I hope that your greatest goal is to know God and to know him more, to be near to the heart of God. And this psalm tells you who God says, you can be in my tabernacle, in my tent. You can come into my place and you can come onto my hill, but only these kind of people. These are the only people who are going to dwell there with God. The first one is, is it says, he who walks uprightly and works righteousness. You know, if you're not walking upright before God, if you're not walking in accordance to his word, specifically in accordance to his commands, and if you're not walking in, in working righteousness, if you're not going and saying, look, I'm going to do something right with my life, not just the simple thing of, of hey, avoiding wrong, although uh, that's very important. That's part of walking uprightly. But then it makes this other emphasis, also working righteousness. So if you're, you must avoid wrong and you must find good things, right things to do. That's the first thing. If you want to abide on God's holy hill, if you want to dwell on God's holy hill, you must walk uprightly and work in righteousness. Avoid what's wrong, work in what's right. The next thing it says is that, and he who speaks the truth in his heart, and he who does not backbite with his tongue. Now, this is important, I think, to put these two things together, because once again, it's a positive and a negative. The positive is is going and speaking the truth. That's that's so important to go and to speak the truth. And the next one is, of course, is a negative, but it also has to do with a tongue, just like speaking truth has to do with a tongue. And that is, and he who does not backbite with his tongue. Now, it's interesting. Uh, I've got kind of a bit of a funny story here. Um, our boys, we, we go through, and we don't do this quite every day, but we do this several times a week, and, and that is we go through the lessons, and there's, I don't, I don't know that I've ever counted how many there are, but there are little phrases um, that, that are there, and they're in the New England Primer, and it's uh, Lessons uh, for a Child, I believe is, is what it's called, and it uh, starts off with love God, serve God, 
Yeah, you know, and it goes through those kind of things, and and you you come all the way down, and the very last one is it says, "Be not a dunce," and be not a dunce. Now, uh, the the thing that's funny is we're working on this with Thomas and Henry. Uh, he he's got the second child syndrome, or at least had the second child syndrome. He just w- w- didn't want to talk. You know, um, he was really good with body language. And so he could point at something and you could understand what he wanted uh, through his body language, through pointing and things like that. And then he has got an older brother who really likes to talk, Thomas, and and Thomas would just kind of talk for him. And and so he wouldn't talk. He wouldn't talk. He wouldn't talk. But 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 we came to this this last one and I would always make it really fun while we go through this big list of all these things. And, And, you know, the last one, it says, and be not a dunce. I'd go and say that, and Thomas would get really into it. And one day, Henry, now this wasn't quite his first words because he said mama and dada and things like that, but but this was like like his first time of ever stringing words together. He goes, goes, be not dunce, be not dunce. And I just kind of find that funny that that's, that's you know, the first words or, or first, you know, strung together words that a child would say is be not dunce. But why do I bring that up? Because the lesson here that it says is, and he who speaks the truth in his heart and who does not backbite with his tongue. Well, in this lesson, what does it go and say? Part of them is, is it says, call no ill names, use no ill words, speak no lies, hate lies, speak the truth. Excuse me, I messed up one. It's not speak no lies, it's tell no lies. Tell no lies, hate lies, and speak the truth. These are lessons that we're trying to instill into our children, but I want you to know they're not just lessons for children. They're lessons for everyone, and they're lessons for everyone who wants to dwell on the holy hill of God. The reason you want to go and instill those kind of things into your children, and it's amazing because both Thomas and Henry now at this point in time have them memorized. Uh, you can go and st- give them the first word in these lessons, and they'll go and they'll they'll recite every single one of them. And, and it's it's amazing to look at that. But our goal as parents is to go and to make sure that Thomas and Henry, uh, yeah, we want them to be successful in life. It'd be be great if they were successful financially. It'd be great if if they were well liked by many people. It'd be it, it would be great if they were uh, people who were admired. It'd be great if they if they reached the pinnacle of whatever uh, vocation that they choose to go into. But the greatest desire that we have is that they would dwell on the holy hill of God with God, and that means they have to learn these simple lessons. But my greatest desire for you and my greatest desire for my life is that I would dwell on the holy hill of God and that you would dwell on the holy hill of God. And that means that you're going to have to go back to elementary school spiritually and ask yourself the question, are you speaking the truth? Are you backbiting with your tongue? And I know this is something that a lot of times people don't want to go back to because, I mean, wow, those are simple things, you know, da, da, da. yeah, they're simple, but obedience is simple. Doesn't always make it easy, though. And so though these are simple truths, they're so important to take inventory of your life. Are you speaking the truth? Are you backbiting with your tongue? 
The next set, uh, ones that it says here, it says, nor does evil to his neighbor, nor does he take up reproach against his friend. What's your relationship like to the people around you? Do you seek to do evil to your neighbor, to those who are in your life? Do you, do you seek to take up reproach against your friend? Do, do you go and, and seek to go and to, uh, and to just create conflict and to speak against your friend? Or are you seeking to love your neighbor as yourself? If you want to dwell on the holy hill of God, you must seek to love your neighbor as yourself. The next one it says is, in whose eyes a vile person is despised, but he honors those who fear the Lord. Now, this is an interesting concept because this is one that we don't talk about very often in this day and age, but it is, it is vitally important. If you want to dwell with God, you need to despise evil men. You need to despise evil men. You know, this is one that we don't think about because we often get oversaturated with hyper grace and uh, and fake false agape love and just go and say, oh, look, we're just a big happy family. We just got to love everybody. Oh, it's true. You do need to love everybody, but we need to have them with a biblical love. And part of that means is that if somebody has chosen in their life to live in an evil way to live their life in such a way that it would displease God and they have set themselves against God, well, it means you should despise them. You should despise that kind of a person if you want to dwell on the holy hill of God. See, God hates sin and he hates it when people go and they choose to sin against him, and they commit themselves to that kind of a lifestyle. Another psalm, Psalm 139, one that we'll get to eventually here this month, later on, obviously, in the month. Psalm 139, it goes and it says, uh, I have hated them with a perfect hatred. Well, what's the perfect hatred? The perfect hatred is, is that you want the old man to die. You, you know, you can't really love somebody and love them in the way that God wants you to love them if you don't want to see their old man die and for them to be born again and to become a new man. And this is something we don't talk about much in our day and age, but you need, if you're going to have the right love of God, if you're going to have the right love of holiness, if you're going to walk in holiness, it means you must despise vile and evil people. When people do wicked, wickedness, do you just shrug it off? Or does it bother you? If it doesn't bother you, you need to go and get right with God. You need to confess. Ask God, God, why is this not bothering me when people do evil and wicked things? You know what he's going to do? He's going to poke you with conviction and show you where you need to confess your sin. The next thing is, though, is it says, um, but he honors those who fear the Lord. And this is important to go and to look, look at because it's, it's just as true in our society that because we've watered down how we ought to treat people and how we ought to stand against sin, when somebody actually stands for righteousness, very rarely do we honor those people. Very rarely do we look at those people and say, wow, what an incredible thing. Good job. I'm so thankful that you are being an example to me for the sake of honoring our God. And this is so important. 
If you want to dwell on the holy hill of God, well, it means you need to honor those who are dwelling on the holy hill of God, because you can't go and entreat them unjustly. And you know, it's unjust to remain silent when somebody stands up for God. It's difficult in this world to stand up for God. And so that means that the just and right thing to do is to cast in your lot with the people of God. And if you want to dwell on the holy hill of God, you need to cast in your lot with those who are going and dwelling on the holy hill of God. The next thing that it goes and it says is it says, He who swears to his own hurt and does not change. He who does not put out his money as usury, nor does he take a bribe against the innocent. Now, all three of these things have to do with finances. The first one is, is he who swears to his own hurt. It means that when you make a decision, even if it's convenient for you to go and to renege on that decision, you go and you stay in. If you've made a commitment, you stick to that commitment. That That's somebody who, who God wants. He wants somebody who knows the and understands the concept of covenant, that you're going and you're saying, look, there's loyalty here. I'm choosing to go and to be on the side of this person. I made a covenant with this person, and I'm not moving. I'm not changing my position. You need to have that. You know, in this world today, you, you have over 50% of, of marriages that are falling apart. And then you have the younger people who their marriages actually are, uh, they're not getting divorced near as often. Why? Well, it's because they're not getting married. So a lot of people like to use that as a positive thing, but it's actually a negative thing. So they don't have a chance to go into reject that covenant because they never make that covenant, but you need to be a covenant maker, not a covenant breaker, if you want to go and dwell on the holy hill of God. The next uh, the next two also have to do with this idea uh, of money or cost you something or covenant, that idea. It does not put his money out as usury. It's this idea of going and you're not making financial deals that go and take advantage of someone. That's the concept here. Usury is going and charging um, more interest than what you ought is, is the very simple idea there. And, and, and so it's this concept of going and you're not taking advantage of somebody financially. E even if you have the opportunity to do so, you go and you make the fair deal, the righteous deal, and you trust that God is going to bless you because he's the one who gives you your daily bread. So you don't need to go and to get everything out of this other person to a point where it hurts them and it is unfair or unjust is the better word towards them. Nor does he take a bribe against the innocent. You need to be the kind of a person, if you want to dwell on the holy hill of God, who cannot be bought. You go and you say, look, I cannot be bought by gold or by silver because I'm already bought and I bought by the blood of Jesus Christ. So therefore, there is nothing you can do to pay me off or to buy me. And it goes and it finishes up the chapter with this verse. He who does these things shall never be moved. And where shall he never be moved from? You'll never be moved from the holy hill of God. So if you choose to apply this chapter to, of Scripture to your life, I promise you one thing. You will have a deeper relationship with God than what you've ever had before because you will be on the holy hill of God. 
Well, thank you for listening today. And remember Joshua 1, 8, 9 as we depart. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you, be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid, nor be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Sometimes he leaves us waiting for his hand to move. Oh, but even in darkness, we hold to the promise. There's nothing we can't overcome. So that war you've been fighting will end in God's timing. Sing like the battle's been won. Then you feel it, the song that is rising. Then you can't help but let it out. If you're trusting in faith, even now. already begun know that God's up to something a miracle's coming rejoice